Let's read our scripture now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7, talking about spirit-filled manifestation. We've talked about motivation, ministry, now manifestation. Read along with me. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, thank You for the teaching we have in Your Word. Lord, there are such tremendous riches as we dig into it, and as we go deeper and deeper, it just unfolds more and more truth to us. So, Father, we ask now that you would just infill each and every person, open our minds and hearts to what you're saying through your scripture. Help me, Lord, to present it clearly and uh, to where it can be understood and encouraging. And, Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. You've given him to us to bring us knowledge, to open our hearts to your mind so that we might know your thoughts. So, Father, help us open ourselves to his work. And it's in Jesus' name we gather and pray. Amen. I hope as you reread that, that you notice just the emphasis. It starts out that these gifts are given for the common good. That is a theme that's repeated over and over. These are not for our benefit to build us up, to make us look good. It is to build up the body of Christ. Paul talks elsewhere just how we are that body with different parts, but all parts are necessary just as we prefer in our body to have working legs, working arms, a working head, a working brain. That's one I count on a lot. Uh, fingers, nose, mouth, all of those things. When everything is working well, life is better. We can do without one, but we don't do as well. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. Then also, the other thing through there is he, Paul is so definite about saying it is the same Spirit that gives these gifts. They don't come from different places. They're not happenstance. It is the work of God in our lives to give these gifts. And then finally, the last verse there, that he gives them as he determines. This is not an accident. You know, uh, God wrote uh, Rule 39 long between give, before Gibbs did and that there's no coincidences. Some have coined there's only God incidences. God is not the author of confusion. God is very orderly and he does what he does for a purpose and that purpose is to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world and to help each other as we are on this journey through the world. Now part of it that may come to your mind or maybe you hadn't thought of it, 
Maybe you don't even think this far. But some of you may be thinking, why should I be concerned with my spiritual gift? Why, why do I even need to think about it? I just kind of love the Lord and love working. And so I want to give you some reasons for that. One of them, it's a gift from Jesus Christ. Your Savior, your Lord, has wanted you to have this gift. And I talked about one time in a previous sermon, if you'd ever given a gift and the person just didn't seem to care about it, how that hurts or angers us or makes us think, oh, I just wasted my time. Well, Jesus has given us these abilities because He wants to build up the body and He distributes them as He will to make a whole and healthy body. So one, our Savior and Lord has done this. Then it was given so that we can do what God's commanded. God has given us a challenge. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore into all the world. Acts 1, 8. You shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. God didn't give us salvation so we could sit on our haunches and just wait till that day we go to heaven. He gave us His salvation so that we could have a relationship with Him, but also so that He could infill us so that we could fulfill His purpose of proclaiming Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't know Him, that needs to know Him, and, and He has equipped us to be able to do that. I think every one of you probably, as I have, have had a boss that said, Wes, I want you to get this done. Fine, boss, I need this to do it. You can't have it. Just get it done. Boss, I need more time. Nope, get it done. I want it done by tomorrow, yesterday. We've all had bosses who gave us challenges but didn't give us the resources to accomplish that. God is not that way. God has given us a huge challenge but He has given us what we need to accomplish that challenge, and that is the Holy Spirit and the gifts that He has endowed each one of us with. It was given to make your family healthy. We are family. I love that song. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We are a brothers and sisters united through Jesus Christ, and He is our brother, and our God. We are a family. And when one part of the family does not pull in their load, the whole family suffers. And we know that in our regular families, our physical families. If someone's a drag on that family financially or, or just not carrying their load, it drags us all down. It makes it all worse for all of us. So it is in the body of Christ. We each have a role to fill we each have been endowed with a strength, a gift to be able to do that role. And when we slack on that, we drag down the whole family. So you hurt your family. If you work through your own strength, you will fail. What this means, if, if you're not trusting in the Holy Spirit, if you're not accepting these teachings, if you're not learning what He's given you and what He wants you to do with that, and you're trying to serve God on your own strength, you're not capable. It's not going to work. 
We, one, we struggle with sin in our lives. We struggle with selfishness. We struggle with our own way of doing things. When God says, except a man laid down his life for his friends, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We have a big challenge, a challenge in front of us bigger than any one of us can accomplish, bigger than all of us can accomplish in our human strength. And so God doesn't expect us to do it in our human strength. He gives us a supernatural, infilling, empowering, enable to accomplish the challenge that he has given us to give. Now that doesn't mean we're, we're automatons that are just puppets controlled by him and do that. We yield to him. We have to yield to him. We have to take time to study his word. And we have to take time for the training like's coming up on the 25th and here at church. But we need to work through his strength, through his will, because our human wisdom, our human knowledge, our human strength is not sufficient to the task. And God does not intend for it to be. Some of us have shared from time to time about witnessing. And one of the things about sharing our faith is if we can get to one understanding, it takes a tremendous load off. We are not responsible to save a person. We cannot save a person. All we can do is carry the message of salvation. God saves them. And so as we talk to people about Christ, our job and all our responsibility is, is to tell them about Christ. The Holy Spirit then goes to work in their lives, letting them know they've heard the truth, letting them know they need this in their lives, and then they respond at that point to Christ himself. So if that person doesn't come to Christ, when we're talking to them, or perhaps ever in their life, we have not failed because that was not our job. Our job is to tell. And I was thinking on evangelism recently and thinking that as we go out and tell the number one reason or one of the top reasons that always comes up about why people attend a particular church is because of relationships, friends and families. The preaching's important, the music's important, uh, being comfortable, all of that is important. But the main thing that keeps people attending are those relationships that are fostered. The, one of the top reasons that always comes up when people say, well, why haven't you gotten affiliated with a church or become part of a church? They say, because nobody asked me. That's what just recurs over and over continuously. And we sit here and say, well, they know we want them to come. They know, well... Not really. If you don't care enough to say, we'd love to have you with us, then it's easy for them to think, I guess they don't really want me there. I guess they're just talking and, and they, they don't really want people to come in and be a part of them. So those two things, people uh, stay affiliated because of the relationships they build and they want and need to know that we want them to be a part of our family by asking them. So these are some of the reasons that you may not 
And the fact is, we're in a spiritual battle. Paul says we do not fight against bone and flesh. We fight against principalities, powers of the air, demons, and the prince of darkness. The battle is in the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm. And as humans, again, we do not have that capability. The Holy Spirit does. A book that I'll recommend to you to read if you, if you like it. It's Christian fiction, but it, it is such a perfect picture of what's going on is this present darkness and piercing the darkness. Um, name escapes me, Frank uh, Peretti wrote these books. And what's wonderful about them, they're, they're stories, if you like to read stories, but they show the battle that's happening in the spiritual realm while things are going on here on earth and how they interface and interact. So uh, again, it's, it's fiction, but it comes with a lot of truth about how things work. We're in a spiritual, supernatural battle, so we need a supernatural strength. Here's the verse I tried to quote. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we understand that, we can fall down in a quivering mass. I can never battle those people. No, you can't. But God doesn't expect you to. He gives you the strength that you need. Now, there's four reasons you may have that question of why should this concern me? Why does it even matter to me? And one of the first ones is you're not saved. You don't know the Lord. And so it's not, it's not making any sense to you. It's not impacting upon you. Plus, you're not infilled with the Holy Spirit. That comes when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Another thing is, is you've stopped at salvation. We need to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord, meaning we yield our life to Him, we yield our desires to Him, we yield to Him, uh, allowing Him to direct our path and to lead and guide us. So it can be that you got saved, you accepted Christ as Savior, you believe you're going to heaven, and that He'll receive you, but you're still holding on to the control of your life. And God can't do that. He won't do that. He can. He can do what He wants to. He can call you on home. But He won't do that because He wants you to yield. That's why we sing the song, I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Another one is nobody's told you about spiritual gifts. And that's unfortunate. Uh, they're a very big part of the Bible, starting with Jesus in John 14, 16, and 15 and 16 where he says he promises the Holy Spirit to come to, to teach and to give you the mind of Christ and then all of Paul's teachings about these gifts. And so we're trying to cover that today. And then finally, uh, you may be in a state of denial that God can't use me. That this is just malarkey. It's mysticism. It's all these kind of things. You can just kind of deny it, put it out of your mind. But when we come to that place, and I hope you're there, to believe this is God's Word. God spoke it. He gave it to people to write down for our benefit so that we can learn, so that we can know how to follow Him, so that we can be encouraged. When you accept these truths, even especially from the Savior, the Messiah Himself, that I will send the Holy Spirit
and He will lead and guide you into all truth. When you accept this, then it gets a little harder to deny. But if you want to believe this is a book of myths, this is a book of fairy tales, it's just a history written by a bunch of men, then you're missing the point, and I hope the Holy Spirit can speak and talk to you. I have always had the idea, because there's things I read, and I go, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand that. But you know, the limitation is me and my knowledge and wisdom, not in the Scriptures. Things don't seem, that seem contradictory really don't when you know the whole counsel of Scripture, when you know the mind of God. So the limitation is not on God's Word, it is on my mental faculties and my selfish heart and desiring to build myself up. So those are some reasons that you may have that question of why should I take this important? Why should I worry about this? Here's four solutions to that. Faith. Faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's where it begins. Coming to that realization that there is a void in my life, that, that I can't handle life on my own, that I need someone greater than myself, to understand that man across the ages has looked for something greater than himself. Sometimes they looked at the moon, sometimes a sun, sometimes a mountain, all kinds of things, all of them pointing to that unknown God, Jesus Christ, because they knew they needed someone, there was something greater than themselves. When they come to realize it's Jesus Christ and accept that, then the puzzle piece fits and they become whole. It may be that you haven't surrendered to Him as Lord, that you're holding on to the control of your life and you're not letting Him sit on your throne. That's an ongoing process that as we grow, we learn to yield more and more and He reveals to us those areas that we're not surrendering. Failure to believe that this is God's truth, that it's His Word, and as it, he gave it, it was truth. And God is all truth, and in him there is no darkness, no wavering shadow. Uh, man messes it up. If you're disappointed in the church and the people, then you're looking at people, not God. Okay? People will let you down. I'm, we, we try to be good people. We try to be upstanding, most of us. But we fail. We fall short. Uh, we're going to let you down at some point, but God never will, never does. And then finally, faith that God's way is best. When I was a young boy going to a Christian camp, there was a man that came in, and he talked about talking to young children, and he would ask them three questions, and that is, who knows more than anybody, more than mom and dad, more than your teachers, more than anybody? And the children knew the answer was God. God knows everything. And he said, well, who loves you best? Who loves you more than mom or dad, grandmom, grandpop, more than your, your family, anybody? And they chimed up again. God loves me more than anybody. Then the third question is, so who should make the decision in your life? If God knows more than you could ever know, he knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end and every page in between. And He loves you more than anybody else in this world could ever love you. Why wouldn't you yield your life to Him and let Him 
have control and lead and guide you. It's because of a self-sense of pride that I know best for me and I can do my best. And very often in those dark nights that we spend at home, when no one's around, just our thoughts, we know we're not able to handle it all. And hopefully the Holy Spirit can come and say, I've come that you might have life and that more abundant. So these are the way to God is faith. For without faith it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek them. So we're back to definition. I wanted to handle that question. Definition of manifestation. Something readily perceived by the senses and especially by the sense of sight. So it's, it's something happening that you can see that it's happening. It, it may be a physical happening or it may be a change in someone's life, but it's, it's a manifestation. In this passage of Scripture that we read, there are nine gifts of manifestation. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, working in miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirit, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. And I shared last week my view on the tongues issue. Uh, I do not think it has ceased. Uh, I don't know how much God enables people with that. That's not my business. But because of Scripture, I cannot stand before you and say, I think that's in the past that God doesn't use it anymore. Because I think Scripture points it's not going to cease until He comes, makes all things whole. So let's break these down quickly. I hope you got fast ears on. I'm talking fast, got a lot to do. But the first one, word of wisdom, the ability to see and explain a situation from God's point of view. That's what we need so much. We use our knowledge, our intellect, our, our experience to analyze a situation, but very often, especially in the work of Christ, the situation is beyond our understanding. And so the word of wisdom is, and the person who has that is able to see that situation as God sees it and then share it with others. The word of knowledge is the ability to understand and share those principles of God's word. Those people who can read your scripture and, and gain an understanding, but then also are able to uh, help you understand what it says. Faith is the ability to visualize and share what God is going to do, no matter how impossible it seems. Faith and the job that God requires us to do, much of what he calls us to do does not make sense. We'd say, that's not going to work. That's not how it's going to happen. We got to do this, 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 and this. Faith is able to say, nope, God can provide the resources. God can provide what's needed. God can make it happen. God can change a person's heart. God can do it. That's faith in God that overcomes our understanding. Healing the ability to improve one's health, whether bodily, emotionally, or spiritually. I believe in healing. I don't believe in earnest angel that slaps you on the head necessarily. But healing emotionally, that friend that comes alongside, that supports you and embraces you 
and lifts you up and helps you through those hard situations that we face in life. Even bodily, the touch. Uh, there are times Lord leads me during sermons that hadn't happened here yet, but other times I've known someone had something going on and at the end of the service, I would ask them to come forward and then I would ask the other members to come, lay hands on them, that we might pray over them and, and through God, not ourselves, impart some healing power upon their lives. That's very real to me. It's not anything to take capriciously or to do as a, as a show, but when God moves, it's, it's very real. Miracles is the ability to reveal supernatural deeds that are beyond explanation. Uh, some people are just God works through, and you'd say, well, I'd never figure them to do that. It's not them. It's the power of God working through them. Prophecy, the ability to illuminate God's word in one's life that needs changing. We all need that hug. We all need that embrace. But you know what? A lot of times when we're struggling with something in life, we need someone to give that truth of God's Word of this is why you're struggling here and you need to believe this and do it God's way. That Word of truth pierces through and, and brings us that enlightenment. It's great to, to be embraced and hugged, but sometimes we let people go away wounded because they need to know the truth. Discerning spirits is that ability to know uh, no matter how good someone's game is that they're talking, you know something's not right. Some people have a, an ability to just sense that, uh, that, that, that things aren't the way they seem, but, and, and vice versa, they can tell when someone has a pure heart and is serving God, even though they may not say the right words, uh, they can discern what's happening in the spirit realm. And it's good to listen to that wisdom to those people. Speaking in tongues, the ability to speak God's truth in another language, it may be a foreign language that you have the ability to learn and to speak in. Some people, it amazes me how many languages they learn. I struggled with Spanish and German, and I'm no good at either one of them. Some people pick up four, five, and six languages. They just have a knack for doing that. They can talk. And then there is also, the Bible teaches us, a heavenly language, a spiritual language. Uh, and some people have that ability. And then the ability to interpret those languages. Paul speaks very clearly that in a body, if someone is speaking in tongues, they should not speak unless there is an interpreter to share with the group what is being said. Just as if somebody came in here and started speaking, I'm going to pick one that Sue knows, Swahili. I'm guessing most of you don't really know Swahili. Well, if someone came in here and was preaching and they were speaking Swahili, they could be speaking wonderful words of truth. It wouldn't help you a bit, would it? Because you don't understand so it's useless, even though they may be saying the Word of God, it's useless because you don't understand what they're saying. And so it is in this heavenly language. It's useless, even though it may be truth, unless someone is present to help you understand that. 
So these are the nine gifts of manifestation. Their manifestation is God's work through us. We're not producing the manifestation. We're not accomplishing it. It is God demonstrating himself through our obedience and service to him. And that's very important. What happens too often is God may do something in somebody's life and it's very genuine, it's very real, it may be a healing, it may be a word of truth, it could be any of those manifestations. And then humanly, our esteem and our pride likes the attention we get. We like being the center of the show. We like being oohed and awed at. And so we seek to reproduce that through ourselves so that we stay in the limelight. That's not of God. It doesn't have the strength. So it's crucial that we don't strive to produce any manifestation, but let it flow. Because we are ambassadors for Christ. Joel and I were sharing this morning, and we check each other out on Sunday to see if we have our pin on. Joel's one that... uh, uh, continues to try to do that. It, it says we are ambassadors for Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 5.20 We are ambassadors for Christ. We are representing Him, not ourselves. If we try to do something to bring attention, to bring adulation to ourselves, to bring prominence, we're not honoring Him, we're honoring self. And we are His ambassadors. This is a chart that I've created, and I I hope you can see it. And I'm going to use my little laser, handy-dandy laser guide. This is the way it works. It should work. This is the correct flow. Okay, if you'll notice, over here are the motivational gifts that we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Prophecy, serving, teaching, all of those. In the center here are the ministry gifts we talked about last week. Ways that we can serve God. And over here are the manifestations we've talked about today. The correct flow is we work within our motivation. And I picked prophecy for an example. Someone with the gift of prophecy that is able to understand and speak the truth of God through His Word, His Word is truth, becomes a teacher in a class. And we know the role of a teacher to lead the class to studying to get to know God better. As they do that, the students gain knowledge. That is a manifestation. People grow in their knowledge and understanding of God. That is the correct flow. Let's take another one down here at the bottom. Mercy. Somebody has the gift of mercy, being able to empathize with others, being able to console them and build them up and help them. And they do that through healings, through soothing the soul, through helping them through those dark times. Uh, Maybe they're thinking of suicide. Maybe they're just struggling with a loss in their life. And this person who is able to empathize and and hold them figuratively and really uh, helps them through that ceiling. And eventually it heals their spirit and they develop wisdom from their situation. There's a great book called The Wounded Healer. And the whole theme of the book is that God can take the wounds that we suffer, 
that as we see his working in our lives to bring healing, uh, that we gain an understanding that we then can help somebody else heal. So our wounds that we suffer as we trust in God and grow in him help us to heal others. So this is the correct flow. A, a wrong flow, again, is picking a manifestation that I want to be oohed and awed at for great miracles, and so I'm going to learn to talk a good game, or I'm going to do some sleight of hand or something uh, as I work as a preacher, and it completely ignores the motivation. So the challenge here is to learn our, our motivational gift, what it is that floats our boat, what drives us, what puts the rubber to the road, and then God, where would you have us be? To recount, the motivational gift is given once and it stays. That's your gift for life. You may gain more, but that one will never go away. Your ministry can change. Maybe that God uses you for a season as a pastor or as a teacher or as a healer, uh, as an administration, but that can change as he needs you in a different role. But your gift working through that never changes and then the manifestation's completely up to him. He may bring knowledge to the people you're teaching. He may bring comfort to those who are hurting. He may reveal it through uh, this utterance of, a, of a, another tongue that somebody is able to interpret that all is to the glory of God. So that is the flow that we need to follow through that. And so it brings us to our our time of closing to our hymn, to the songs that we sing so often. And, and as much as I love the hymns, I'm afraid too often we just let them kind of wash through us and we don't think about them. And we actually make some promises in our hymns that we don't keep and don't intend to keep. And this hymn, this song, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go, acknowledges what Christ does for us, and then we commit ourselves to follow our Lord where he leads us. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus, and then we don't obey him. We sing uh, just how great thou art, and then we act in such a way that misrepresents him to a lost and dying world. We're not consistent. And so as we grow and walk in the Lord, that's the work He wants to continually work in us. And so that is the challenge to us today, is that wherever He leads, I'll go. And that first place, as I said, is to know Him in a personal relationship, to acknowledge your need for Him, not that you're a stupid person, a weak person, uh, or anything like that, but just that you need His saving grace and you need His strength and power to go on. And then that next place is yielding to Him. Lord, You are the Master. I am the potter. Mold me, make me, Lord, uniquely. You created me. You formed me in the mother's womb. You've endowed me with abilities, with talents, and with a gift. So, Lord, I yield myself to you and your omniscient knowledge and move forward. And 
one of the parts of that is being part of the local body of Christ. We are encouraged in the Bible to unite with a family so that we can be supported, so that we can support others. And so that's part of it, to follow in baptism as an act of obedience, an act of testimony to the world that I have accepted Christ as my Savior, and I'm testifying of that through the role of baptism and then living for Him. Let's stand as we sing, and may you respond as God leads you. Wherever He leads, I'll go. May that be the true word on your lips today.